Welcome to the Behind the Scenery podcast with Tom Spate. So welcome to the first full edition of Behind the Scenery with me, Tom Spate, and I'm just outside Whitehaven at Rose Hill Theatre. And with me is the man who helped run this place. Hi, uh, my name is Dan Whitehouse and I'm the creative director here at Rosal. Okay, we're standing outside, so we'll go through the door uh, and uh, we'll see what's going on inside. So Dan, we're, we're, we're in the reception area of Rose Hill now. Just tell us a bit about the theatre. Okay, yeah. So the theatre um, has been around since the late 50s. And it was originally developed by a chap called Mickey Seckers, who basically came over here from Hungary and had developed the silk factory, the Seckers silk factory in the town, which is just round the corner uh, where the Whitehaven uh, Academy of School is. Fact, and there's a couple of silk dresses hanging up here, which I guess, did that hark back to the... Yeah, so we, we had an exhibition last year, which was a kind of heritage lottery funded exhibition, which was all about... Um, looking back at uh, pe- people's experience of working in the, the Seckers factory and their kind of memories of that and, you know, oral and, and visual memories of that and the kind of links back to, to the industry in the area. So, so the theatre's been here for quite some time then. Yeah, yeah, and in it's it, original format, yeah. OK, and it had a bit of a makeover recently? Yes, yeah, so about six years ago um, we started the redevelopment and we opened in, I think it was two, 2017, as a, a, in its kind of current format, so basically built around the shell of the old theatre uh, and, ex- and expanded up to the kind of high, third level, but also added on the kind of, you know, changed the rece- reception area around and renovated the kind of theatre space. OK, and it's got a great view looking out towards the coast um, and some nice, nice um, modelled gardens and uh, kind of park areas in the front, a uh, big, big patio at the front as well. OK, all right, well, we'll go up the stairs in a second to have a look a bit more around. But uh, on the podcast this time round, to, to come, we've got uh, behind the scenes at Soundwave, which is, of course, the Workington-based music studio project for young Cumbrians. We've got the inside story on The Climbers, the current show at Theatre by the Lake, which we had a hint of in the promotional podcast a few weeks ago. And actually, the most wonderful poem from Dove Cottage young poet Elizabeth Reed called The Smell of Rain. A real treat to look forward to a bit later on. But first of all, let's go up the stairs and see a bit more about Rose Hill. Right, well, it's, it does feel very uh, kind of modern and clean and recently updated uh, walking through the, the corridor here. And we're just heading towards the bar area here and up the stairs. Tell us a bit about what Rose Hill's got to offer people coming here, Dan. Yeah, so um, Rose Hill, obviously, we, we're a venue in terms of what we, get, what we can offer here. So obviously we've got uh, theatre space, we've got um, kind of creative spaces, we've got the barn area, so... You know, we can deliver workshops. We've got um, a theatre programme or a a creative programme. And obviously, you know, we're also a facility to use for hires. But obviously, as an organisation, we're now starting to really branch out from just being a venue. Um, So we're more than a venue in terms of what we develop. So festivals across the across the region recently there was the Whitehaven Maritime Festival or the Whitehaven Festival last weekend yeah which, yeah so the, involved the, in as well. yeah the, we we were we developed the very first harbour fest in partnership with the Whitehaven Harbour Commissioners so that's definitely part of our 
kind of ambitions to really think about creating and providing cultural opportunities in the region and, and beyond, um, you know, for the people of, of the area, really. So we want to not just be hankered here, but also to have a presence, you know, across the, across the town. OK, and how many people work here? So we've got about um, four full-time, well, four, four kind of permanent staff and then about three, four casual staff. So eight, eight to ten in total and a team of volunteers uh, and, so, and a couple of uh, casual kind of uh, duty managers as well. First of all, though, let's have some music, a bit of music. Let's travel a few miles up the West Coast from here at Rose Hill. And based right in the middle of Workington, you'll find Soundwave, which for over a decade has been giving young Cumbrians the opportunity to meet like-minded music makers and develop their own creativity. But what makes it all tick? Tom Salmon is your guide. And listen out for a bit of a treat to a glorious performance from one of the stars of Soundwave's participants. Music not to be missed. So this afternoon I'm headed off to Workington to visit Soundwave before their session uh, tonight. So Soundwave, they're a youth music organisation that have delivered loads of free music sessions to young people over the years. I'm talking from experience because I used to be a participant, so it's nice to be back. Hello? Hello, it's Tom. Hi, come in. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Oh, look at that drum kit. Lovely. I'm David Roberts and I acquired the rather grand title of director. This is our live room, it's soundproofed, so we can have the drum kit in here and uh, young people can just come in. It's always set up, ready to go, young people can just come in, pick up, plug in and away they go. That's what's great about this space. I know as a young person I was really chuffed that there was something that I could go to as a young music maker. How important do you think it is to have that? facility and that service in West Cumbria? Um, obviously, I think it's incredibly important. I think, you know, for young people, music's life, you know, uh, whether you're a musician or not, every young person loves music in some form and, and you know, having sound wave around to support uh, young creatives and young mu- musicians that do want to take things further, I just don't think there's anything more important than and being that kind of lifeline and that support for them. Hi, I'm Emma Dockery and I'm the project coordinator here at Soundwave. So you started off as a participant of Soundwave, Emma, when you were younger, as I did. That's actually how we met. What made you want to stay on with Soundwave and then, you know, start and helping out with the education side of things? Having the opportunity to come and um, initially do some, like, kind of helping out with some sessions and stuff and then that turned into more regular work with Soundwave was just something that naturally seemed to be something that I was drawn towards and wanted to do. It's a wonderful role to have because I think I see myself in a lot of the young people that we work with and I see you know the things I struggled with and the things that I wanted to do and I feel like I've got the tools hopefully to to help them with that journey and I like to think that I do an okay job. So you have a lot of talented participants that come to Soundwave. One of them is Maddie. She's come along a little bit earlier to speak to us for the podcast. Hi, I'm Maddie. I'm a singer-songwriter and I'm a member of Soundwave. And what's your favourite part about coming to Soundwave? The crack. I think it's just nice seeing everyone um, getting involved in loads of different musical activities. Um, There's been loads since I've joined that I've been able to be a part of, so it's great, yeah. you got one that really stands out for you? 
Um, probably the first uh, DIY project Soundwave did. It was kind of they put loads of bands together, and it was it was straight away as soon as I joined. So I was soon to the deep end, but it was one of the best things I've kind of done because it really brought out kind of a new side to me. I've never been able to gig before. I've never been able to do the things that we were able to do in that project before. So it was great. Yeah. <laughs> You said that Soundwave put bands together, so you were just a bunch of people who might not have met each other before, and all of a sudden you were in a band and had to make music. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I was really nervous at four when I was when I was younger. I was kind of more timid, <laughs> but since doing that, it really um, it helped me grow more confidence and stuff. And yeah, it was fab just meeting new people. So is that how Soundwave has helped you musically in terms of building confidence? I'd say so, yeah, like I was a completely different person when I started and I think when I first started, um, I'd say I was I was losing my spark a little bit like in through school and stuff um, and then my dad like seen it on Facebook, you know, this Soundwave thing so um, he brought me here um, and as soon as I joined I just got that kind of spark back and my love for music and stuff so it was the best thing, yeah. And how has Soundwave helped your music progress? Has, has your sound changed throughout uh, throughout your time here? Has it helped you progress as, a, as an artist? Uh, definitely. So after the DIY project, I wrote a song called Good Days. And then David asked me if I wanted to record it in the studio. And that's kind of where all, all of that began for me. And it was like a complete new world. Like I never thought I could... Um, ever record a song and release it but um yeah we did good days and then we just carried on since then and it was just I completely fell in love with it it's like my favorite thing to do now I just love making music and going through the whole release process and stuff and I just think yeah if I hadn't done that I just don't know what I'd be doing now you've also recorded lots of other bits and bobs with Soundwave the magic carpet sessions how are they oh they're great I love doing the magic carpet sessions um I think it's a really good opportunity to kind of have your little moment. I know, well, they've been doing it for a long time. I remember I did my first one, I think I did a cover of Royals by Lord. Um, it was just, a, it was the best thing. Like I remember everyone was watching in the little room and you got a little round of applause after and you just kind of got to, um, yeah, do a cover or you could do originals. Like um, recently I've been doing magic carpet sessions of acoustic versions of my new EP that I released. And that was really cool to kind of show a new side to them songs. So it's, it's a great little thing that they've got going on actually, yeah. <laughs> And they're filmed and put on YouTube, so anyone can watch them, and I guess that can help with getting a well, building the fan base. Yeah, it's definitely great for promotion and stuff, and I think it's really good at um, gaining experience with that type of thing as well, like the behind the scenes of recording videos or you know producing music and stuff. I think you get such like good experience from the whole whole thing, really. Yeah. And what was it like having? Emma from Soundwave featured on one of your magic carpet sessions on the backing vocals Emma was wasn't she oh it was amazing I loved it and I I knew as soon as I asked Emma I could just completely like um I knew she'd do it perfectly and she did and it was just it, it was great because I've never sung that song with someone else and she just completely nailed it and yeah I just loved it and I've been doing like some of the singing stuff with Emma for a while as well so it was great to kind of have that moment doing the song Hi, I'm Maddie Rose, and this is my magic carpet session of one of the songs from my EP called Orbit. I'm falling into your orbit, orbit again. I keep on falling for it, for it again. I don't know what 
you want from me Yeah, you're never sinking Or you're never sinking I want your heart, not just your body What you doing to me Yeah, you made me believe I keep on falling like a fool I keep on falling for you In everything that I do it always leads me back to you I keep on thinking about you Crystal ball and ball and tell me the truth They say it's a planet made for two Feel like I'm stuck, I can't move a bit I'm bad again I keep on falling in you want from me yeah you're never sinking no you're never sinking i want your heart not just your body what you're doing to me yeah you made me believe falling back into your orbit baby falling back into your orbit again and again falling back into your orbit baby Falling back into you I wish I wish I never knew, never knew The bad things you do Everybody knows the truth, knows the truth. But I never listen cause I'm caught up with you Most colored glasses My vision of you's distorted Time passes, but at this point, I think I'm asking for it all bad again. I keep on falling for it, for it again. I don't know what you want from me. Yeah, you're never sinking, you're never sinking. Your heart, not just your body. What you doing to me? Yeah, you made me believe. Falling back into your orbit, baby. Falling back into your orbit. Maddie Rose there at Soundwave with her song Orbit. What a voice. And thanks to Tom Salmon for going along for us to record that. Great to hear all the work going on there in Workington. And long may it continue. Well, back here at Rose Hill, I'm still with Dan Whitehouse. Dan, let's go and have a look at the main theatre space, which I think is uh, yep, down these little stairs it. here. And uh, I remember the first time I came here, I was, I was blown away by the beauty of the tradition of the performance space. So we're just walking into it now. You can probably hear the acoustic change slightly. So just describe it for me. So, yeah, what you've got here is basically a, a classically designed um, theatre, proscenium arch kind of theatre space. Plus red velvet everywhere, Indeed, isn't it? Indeed, yeah. So it's, this, is, this is not the original silk, but it's based on the original kind of silk design that would have been, you know, from the factory. Uh, and it's kind of basically what you can see is a, a kind of red silk um, walled kind of venue and a red kind of plush seats. Um, capacity, what's the capacity? 208. 
Um, so we've got a circle or a kind of gallery um, at the back of, of the main space yeah. and then about 120 seats here. Yeah, on, on the on, in the kind of lower floor, yeah. So, uh, you know, great, re really intimate, nice and small, but also quite, and uh, very, you know, there's lots of character to it. Everybody that comes, you know, they can really sense the character. And obviously, uh, Mickey uh, Seckers, who obviously built the, built, built the theatre, he was inspired by the Glyndebourne and he used to go to London and, you know, design for V&A and was, had links to Oliver Messel. So obviously he, his influences came from all the kind of grand theatres in London of the day and he wanted to build a little piece of that up here in Cumbria. That's a great description. If you walk in here, it's got kind of, you know, sort of not fake, but small little um, box areas, two on either side, which aren't boxes at all, but they've still got curtains that, that sort of are tied back on either side, probably about two feet wide and about four feet high. And then the actual stage itself, it's got like a Roman um, kind of forum roof on it with pillars either side, a grey, grey pillars either side. Um, and a, there's a big screen on it at the moment, but it's got, it's got a classical theatrical presence here. It's like a sort of mini grand theatre, isn't it? Indeed, yeah. And the actual proscenium arch, I think actually originally... That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, came from a, a, a theatre in London. So it got kind of broken apart and then shipped up here. I don't know where exactly that was from, but again, you know, keeping in with that kind of real classical kind of design feel. Um, you know, and the, the theatre, one of the kind of, uh, you know, the, the mime artist Lindsay Kemp came here and not only did Lindsay Kemp, he brought David Bowie in his kind of performance days. So we, we've had David Bowie performing on the stage, not, not, not musically, but as a kind of mime artist. So there's a real rich history of uh, performance and, um, you know, kind of theatricality about it and lots of links into the, you know, kind of theatre design with, with Oliver Messel. So, yeah, there is a, there is a real rich history about it. But I think, you know, we're trying to balance that with, with the, you know, the, the kind of future and the everyday and the modern because, you know, as much... It is a little bit hidden and it's out the way. So I think we've got to make sure that, you know, we, we also reflect that and, and ensure that people can get here, but also we, we deliver into the town as well. Absolutely. Right, well, let me just hoik myself up onto the stage, if I can. So we're about, uh, we're about sort of three or four feet up from the, the main floor now. And the reason I've done that is because we're going to carry on talking about this. Oh, what a great view from here. You can see the, you can see the, the gallery, the circle at the back there. And uh, oh, it's, a, you, it's got a real presence here. And just, just poking my nose backstage here. Yeah, lovely thick curtains, and there we are with all the, all the nuts and the bolts and the mixing desks and things that make theatres the magical places that they are. Well, a brand new play called The Climbers is currently showing at Theatre by the Lake in Keswick, just up the road. Its writer is Lebanese-born Carmen Nazra. It's been a heck of a slow burn to get it up and running. You'll have heard a snippet of her on the promotional podcast we put out a few weeks ago, but what's The Climbers all about? And what does it feel like as the writer to finally see the play on stage? Well, I asked her that very question. It's a really exciting time and it's also been um, delayed for about two years, so it's even more exciting. Uh, the, the play was programmed for 2020. Um, uh, we went to the production meeting uh, uh, a week before lockdown, saw the model box. It was, you know, super exciting that we went into lockdown. So, um, yeah, it's really exciting and I'm, I feel really grateful to have been given the opportunity to, to have this come back. And what's, what's the play about? It's called The Climbers. Tell me what it's about. I know it's difficult for someone who's written, <laughs> written it probably some years ago now, mm. but what's the synopsis of the play? 
such a hard question. Uh, so one way we've been speaking about it since we've been in the room with it is that it's it's like a kaleidoscope um, of Everest. So imagine you're looking at Everest through a kaleidoscope and it sort of changes and you see different characters and different combinations and different stories. So that's kind of a summary. Um, but it's essentially the story is about um, a British couple who um, go to Everest and it's a bit about adventure tourism rather than having the skill to climb it because that's a bit of a trend at the moment um, or it has been for the last 10 years. Um, so they're not quite ready um, and they go and they're having some issues in their relationship and this is sort of a way to, to maybe save it. You know, when you go on that holiday and you're like, this holiday is going to save our relationship um, and they go um, and uh, only one of them comes back. Whoa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And it's the whole play is um, so it's Yasmin who's who's the 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 kind of uh, the the wife they're married, and she comes back. You find that out in the first scene, um, and uh, yeah, and so it's about her trying to remember what happened. Is she telling the truth? Is she not confronting um, what happened? There's uh, their guide who's um, a Sherpa who uh, was there and so there's there's his story um, there's a sort of private investigator that goes to find out what happened as her story and uh, the Charlie who's the the person who went missing his mother so there's all these different people um, so that's the summary I won't give any more away, oh, that's a very yeah. good that's a very good summary <laughs> and, and Carmen tell me what why did you what what led you to, to writing this play so initially I I I have to admit, and this is a very unpopular opinion when you're in Keswick, but I don't really like climb. I don't really, I'm not a massively outdoorsy person. Um, so it, I wasn't necessarily interested in mountains, but my brother uh, climbed Kilimanjaro and um, sort of uh, never climbed a mountain, wasn't that interested. It was a bit of a last minute thing. He went with a friend. And when he came back and told me the story, it was just so full of suspense. It was so full of um, sort of magic and detail. He went up with a friend. The friend wanted to get to the top. That's all he cared about. My brother was in it for the journey. They had some arguments about it. Um, and just, yeah, it was riveting. And he, he came back with all these pictures and told us the story from start to finish. And I just was like, oh my gosh, there's a play in there. And then I started researching and I found out about um, I saw a picture actually on the tube in, in the Evening Standard. Sometimes when you're researching a play, um, stuff starts to come to you and it feels like magic. And so I, I opened the Evening Standard, there was a picture of a frozen body and someone had written an op-ed or something about this. And I just couldn't believe it. it I was like, what? There's bodies stuck there that never come back for decades? This is like, that can't be true. And so when I researched, there's 200 bodies. And then I researched, I started finding out all about... This was on, on Everest, right? On Everest, yeah, yeah. Kilimanjaro is much... Yeah, nothing happens that bad there. And um, it's too low. Um, and then I started finding out about adventure tourism and about the queues to the summit and the fact that, you know, 10, 15 people die every year. Then I found out about um, the Sherpa community who, who essentially provide the labour for mainly Western climbers to go up. Although there's, there's Eastern climbers, there's Japanese groups, there's, you know, Chinese groups. It's not, um, you know, that simple. But, um, and, and there's a, I started researching into the labour practices and there's been a movement and there was a strike on the mountain um, that the Sherpas did. I can't remember, I think it was uh, 2016, I'm not sure. Um, and so there was a whole other world there. And then I started looking into like 
the history of colonialism and, and, and you know, why we even summited. So apparently, like, um, you know, in the Sherpa belief system, you're, you're not supposed to climb the mountain. And so there's this tension there. And but now it's become a livelihood. And, and just, just all of these <clears throat> themes or some of these themes come out. Yeah, in play. yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, this is my research. Yeah. So basically, yeah, that started with this with this climb, Kilimanjaro. I did all this research. I found all these themes and it just felt like it was um, a really interesting story to talk about the world we live in today rather than just a story about a couple it's a story about globalization it's a story about nature it's a story about colonialism and imperialism and history um but you need a really good narrative right to talk about these things otherwise you write an essay or become a journalist um so i yeah so it's it's so then the, the i read about a, i read about a couple who um the the man had continued to the summit she wasn't feeling well and when he came back she was gone and this is a real life couple and their story was in the paper and I saw a video of him talking about it and I mean he was distraught and I just thought oh god like it's, it's so dark why are people doing this to themselves so I, yeah so that I, I just sort of spent uh, quite a few months in this world and the discovering and then decided okay it's a couple one of them comes back one of them doesn't and we don't know what happened and the play is finding out what happened and then you can have all these themes embedded into it Okay. Yeah. Sounds long sound... answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're here, we're here in Cumbria in Keswick, mm. and we're surrounded by mountains. Um, and, and you've already admitted that you're not really an outdoorsy sort of person. You you live in London. Um, would you say it's nice that it's taking place in Cumbria, the world premiere? Mm. And and I suppose my second supplementary question is: Do you think you kind of have to be into the outdoors to enjoy the play? It's a good question. So for I I feel bad now. I said I'm not outdoorsy. I do love the outdoors when I'm in it. Uh, but I love cities too. Um, so yeah, no, it's 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 so magical being here. Like the the minute I you arrive, you can see the mountains everywhere. It's stunning. It's that so like the play also advocates for mountains. It's you know there there are there is there is a character in there who's the character that advocates for climbing and. Um, what's lovely about Keswick is people are climbing and it's not life-threatening right so they're they're enjoying nature the way it should be and what I love about this this region and I may be wrong because I, I don't know a huge amount about the history but the history of tourism goes all the way back so it feels like it's inherently part of the history of the place and that's something that it sits quite comfortably with the landscape and I think that's really beautiful whereas in Everest it doesn't there's this tension and so I think um, it's perfect that it's here because this is a place that has a really, uh, a really respectful and strong connection to nature. And so I think it's, but then that people are craving more adventure, right? They want to leave. They want to go somewhere else. This is a place where you come, if you're British, locally, you travel on the train, you're not polluting the earth. So it's sort of like a perfect um, place for enjoying nature. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's amazing that it's here. And in a way, like when, when you work in London, you're a playwright in London and you're like, oh, I want it to be in London. You know, that's where all the action is. But actually, there's something so um, I feel really privileged to be here because I'm writing for the audience. I'm not writing for the industry, whereas in London, you feel like you are writing for the industry. Um, I, I'm, so I'm half Lebanese, half Scottish, and I grew up in Lebanon until I was about 18. Um, and... But I've never lived in Scotland, but I'm kind of from there, but I'm not. So I don't really have like my roots are in Lebanon. That's where I grew up. That's where I call home. But I sort of feel very drawn to like global international spaces. And that's why I'm, this play also felt like a really comfortable play to write, because 
it's sort of in this international world where all, all these people come together. And weirdly, Cumbria has a sense of that, or like Keswick does, which, which I think is really exciting. I hadn't expected. That's nice. Yeah. That's nice to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess finally, um, you know, you probably started writing this. In fact, you, I know you started writing <clears throat> this some years ago, <clears throat> this play, and, and it's probably had a few rewrites, et cetera, et cetera. But finally, it's got its world premiere, you know. Um, how does that feel as the writer to finally have the chance to see it? Um, and it's kind of, you know, there must be some sort of analogy about, about giving birth. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, how yeah. How does it feel? It feel it's, it's, it's funny. It's like it, you feel so privileged and, and excited. And, but then there's a, there's a, there's some, there's a really scary element because when you, when you put your work out there, it's you. It's you know when you're when you have a job, right? It's your job, and you know that that's me and my job. But when it's when it's when you're making art or you're creating things, it's your name. It's you as a person. So there's something quite vulnerable about that, quite scary. Um, because I started writing it so many years ago, it feels like it was a different person that wrote it. Uh, so. So that, that but we've been rewriting it. So I've had a long chance to like make it really good. Um, so I am excited. I think it's at a, in a really good place. If we'd put it on when we were supposed to, maybe it wouldn't have been the best draft. So that's, I'm really grateful for that. But it gets to the point where you've been sitting with the work for so long, you can't really see it through other eyes. You can only see it through your own eyes. So I'm really, I'm really excited to sit in a room with other people and finally be able to see what they see. Because I have, like, I have, I'm so close to it. Just let's get there. I'm kind of a bit impatient, I think, but very excited and really um, grateful that Theatre by the Lake are investing in a show like this because having I've been writing for about eight nine years and um, things have changed now but for a long time it was like especially if you're a female writer and you're not you know you have a foreign name <laughs> and uh, often people see that as like a risk even in London they're like it's a bit of a risk and so the bigger theatres main house stages you've got to have a few shows under your belt so like I, yeah They've taken a really, I say it shouldn't be a risk, but it, but it is in the industry, a big risk to program this play, I think, new writing. I, I think it will pay off, I hope. <laughs> we'll see. Carmen Nasra there, the writer of The Climbers, which runs until July the 16th at Theatre by the Lake. And I have to say, I've seen it. I absolutely loved it. It's got an amazing uh, mountainscape that hits you uh, as you come in. And uh, it's a beautifully crafted uh, theatrical piece. I hope you enjoy it if you get to see it before it finishes. Well, I'm still on stage here at Rose Hill Theatre, just outside Whitehaven. And finally this month, we've got a poem, but not just any old poem. Elizabeth Reed is a Year 12 student at Queen Elizabeth Grammar School in Penrith, where she studies physics, French and further maths. And when she's not solving complex quadratic equations, Elizabeth says she enjoys reading and writing poetry. And she's been a member of the Dove Cottage Young Poets since early 2021. She read her poem, The Smell of Rain, at the opening night of the recent Kendall Poetry Festival, and she did a special recording of it for Behind the Scenery. The Smell of Rain by Elizabeth Reed. I really like the smell of rain, that step off the aeroplane smell of rain, that the plants will grow soon again smell of rain, that summer that shapes your brain smell of rain, that waiting for rain, end of the sun's rain smell of rain, when all you want to do is take that moment and bottle it and pour it on your cereal and drink it in your coffee and dip it in your tea smell of rain. That sickly sweet summer end autumn is just around the bend smell of rain. That feeling I just can't quite contain. I really like.
Dove Cottage young poet Elizabeth Reed there with her beautiful poem, The Smell of Rain. Right, still at Rose Hill. Dan, let's take a seat in the front row of the beautiful auditorium here. Ugh, let's get those seats there. Tell us a bit more about Rose Hill's uh, future programming, what's coming up. Over the summer, we're, we're doing some, uh, a couple of outdoor presentations, performances, um, as well as having this beautiful uh, theatre. We've also got a little, what we call the tennis court, a little kind of green uh, grass kind of performance space. So we've got two shows. One is a kind of, it's a, both family orientated, but one's a bit more of a kind of older crowd for an evening show. And that's a, by the Slapsit Picnic, which is a presentation of importance of being earnest. Oscar Wilde's piece, um, and that's going to be performed on the 18th. And then uh, the week before, on the Friday, we've got a, uh, a show called Reynard the Fox, which is a presentation by, a, a performance by a company called Fabularium, so that's a children's show. And both of those are kind of pay what you decide, which is a model that we've been um, pushing here, which is basically looking at trying to remove the risk for people that perhaps might not be, have the financial kind of backing and it means that basically you can come along watch the show and then decide what you want to pay after the show um so both of those pay what you decide very family orientated and out outside and accessible so that's what we're doing over the summer and then from september onwards we'll be launching our our kind of you know season autumn season and then also we'll be looking to uh, develop, we're, we're developing a youth project, a youth kind of collective project with Soundwave as well for Copeland. So that's up and coming um, in um, kind of September onwards. All right, so loads to look forward to. And all the while you've been wearing your shorts. Now you told me when I arrived here today, even though it's blowing a hoolie and it's about kind of 12 degrees out there or whatever, you're a shorts man from what, May to September? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just, you know, a kind of, bit like a postman really i like to like you know have a bit of uh, air on the legs so obviously when i've got important meetings and you know i, I do I, I will wear um proper trousers but yeah I, I like to keep you know keep myself active and wear shorts and well, stuff. so we all respect you for that no congratulations <laughs> all right well dan dan whitehouse it's been lovely being at rose hill today thank you for hosting me and showing me around finally for the podcast uh, this month have a listen to this Well, that's part of a soundscape of Ulverston's creative god, Chris Dennett, at work. More from him, where that came from, next time. But that's it for this month. Hope you enjoyed Behind the Scenery, the podcast from the Cumbria Arts and Culture Network. Tell all your friends, get in touch, and if you have an idea for a feature, contact us via the website, thecacn.co.uk, or our social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And from Rose Hill Theatre, where the next face-to-face -face meeting of the network will be being held on Friday, September the 16th. So stick that in your diary, including, I'm told, a free lunch for people that come along. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Behind the Scenery, the Cumbrian Arts and Culture Podcast. <laughs>